Hey, welcome to the Alfie Postnatal Buddy Podcast with your postnatal expert, Peter Lapp. That, as always, will be me. Today, I'm talking about my shiny new setup. I'm talking about uh, surgery for diastasis recti again. And uh, what weight loss exercises you can do when you have diastasis recti. What's the best diet to follow to lose weight with diastasis recti. All that sort of stuff. I also have a little... New segment of the show, uh, which will be fun. And there's an in the news. Basically, it's all happening today. Right? It'll be fun. Here we go. Hey, welcome to the Healthy Postnatal Buddy Podcast. Like I said, this is a little of me. Just me again every week now. It's just me that you have to listen to. It's quite tragic. Uh, we're working on some more guests. But in the meantime, you know, no one's got any books to sell. <laughs> That's kind of how it seems to work. You know, January is not the time where people have products to sell. They've done all the prep for it. So December, November, that's when all the guests come out of the woodworks. Um, I have some fun ones lined up, to be fair. But, you know, we'll just have to wait a little bit. Uh, this is the podcast for the 16th of January. And I'm here with Buddy. I'm here with little Kitty. Both my little teasies are here. And they're relatively sound asleep. Although, of course, Buddy will start making noises in a bit. I hope, I hope um, that you'll notice a bit of an improvement in sound quality. For my friends, I have a shiny new setup. Um, of course, I've not redone the entire room, but I did get uh, some shiny new recording equipment. And I am told that this should make all the difference. At least I hope it does. Because, you know, I'm spending some money here and I'm very, very cheap. Um, so I don't like spending money. Right. So what am I talking about today? Uh, surgery for diastasis recti. Let's begin there. Let's begin there. Uh, Jess, the lovely Jess, um, sent me something the other day saying that this lady was recommending surgery for diastasis recta because she'd had it. And um, she said basically she had diastasis recta, she was diagnosed with it, went private, and a month or two later she had had surgery. Uh, and the cost involved were about £9,000. So it's not cheap, £9,000. Uh, and the pain was unbearable for a while. And she has a huge scar, but she says it's definitely worth it. Um, now, I haven't met this lady and I don't know the lady. But I will make one or two assumptions because I've seen the before and after picture. There was nothing about her before and after picture that suggested that she needed surgery. <laughs> whatsoever. She had diastasis recti, she had a round belly, sure. Um, you could spot that a mile off. But there was nothing there that could not be fixed with exercise, right? And this is a little bit disappointing. When you start spending £9,000 on something, you want to at least be sure that you'll actually need to spend that. I mean, £9,000, by comparison, my personal training package, 
is about 700 quid. Now assume this lady is in London and a London-based PT will charge double that, right? If you pay 1,400 pounds, or say 1,500 pounds, round it up a little bit again, you get three months of personal training for 1,500 quid and professional guidance. Let's say you do that for a year. Um, you know, you're really spending a bit of money there. Personal trainer twice a week, do your home routine. And for a, for a year, you put that, that bit of effort in, which you need to do anyways if you're going to get surgery, right? You still need to do exercises. Um, but you get a PT. That's six grand. And at worst, at worst, that £6,000, that would have been a £6,000 spend. There was nothing to suggest, <laughs> looking at the picture, that that this was a surgery-only deal. Only in very rare circumstances, uh, pardon me, uh, only in very rare circumstances do you need surgery for your diastasis recti. If you address it quickly enough, and it's not too severe. There are, of course, some severe cases out there, and I've seen them. I've seen them all. That uh, that I'm also like, yeah, you're gonna need some surgery here. But unless you have a ridiculously weak core and a ridiculously bad case of diastasis recti, you don't need surgery. Also, bear in mind that indeed, like I said, it's, it, you end up with a big scar from diastasis recti surgery. This is not a small procedure. Um. So bear that in mind before you go to these places. And you're still going to need to do the exercises. There isn't a single plastic surgeon out there that I know, not a good one, that, that, that I know that will tell you you don't need to exercise anymore. Right? You still need to strengthen muscles up. So you're going to have to put the work in. Anyways, please start putting the work in first. <laughs> it's a little bit... It's a little bit depressing when, when people go that far down the line. Like I said, it's it sounds like the easy option. I get it, right? You get diagnosed with diastasis recti and two months later, it can be fixed. You'll be in agony for six to eight weeks but and have a big scar for But I get it still feels like the easy solution, but it really isn't the easy way out that a lot of people think it is. And I see this a lot on the, on the, on the forums where, you know, the blind lead the blind a little bit, that, oh, you had surgery, you are so lucky. Um, my The NHS won't give me surgery. And I've said this before, the NHS shouldn't be paying for diastasis recti surgery in all but the most extreme cases, um, in, my, in my opinion. And therefore, you know, it's my podcast, so I'm right. <laughs> um, right, you... You don't need surgery. I, I, I can't be clearer about this. And I can't be any more clear about this. You do not need surgery in 90, 95%, 99% of all diastasis recti cases. You need to be consistent with your exercise and work on your diet a little bit. Um, because, of course, diet matters, right? Which brings me to the next question I had this week was about what are the best exercises to do when you have diastasis recti if you want to lose weight. So what are the best weight loss exercises to do? And what is the best diet to be on if you want to lose weight for uh, when you also have diastasis recti? So 
these were people these people were not asking me what the best diastasis recti exercises were they were asking for weight loss when you also have diastasis recti and that's not slightly different now if you are i've always said that exercise for weight loss is, is a massive waste of time um right it's it, it's not a very efficient and effective way of um of losing weight exercising however if you're going to do it any form of cardio will do any form of um non-load bearing weight training any sort of weight training that you're in control of let, let me put it that way so uh resistance training yeah you can do all the exercises that you also do as part of your diastasis vector recovery uh program right i know hpmb is is uh, not at all uh focused on weight loss but a lot of the exercises in there will all exercises in there will help you burn calories but a lot of them are really big compound movements um especially once you get past month four so past the first month that you pay for um but i've always said that diet is the best way to um lose weight Make sure your diet's okay. Make sure your sleep pattern's okay and all that sort of stuff. Uh, make sure you hydrate. Make sure you drink enough water. It's very important. That sort of thing is much more important than, um, than exercises. Or it's much, much easier to do than, than exercises. And when it comes to diet, and I know I'm repeating myself a little bit here, Whatever diet works for you is fine, right? Whatever diet you can stick to is okay. Whatever diet, especially if you have diastasis recti, whatever diet doesn't make you bloat is is good. Um, I am as what was uh, what did uh, Doctor Glenn Livingston used to call diet agnostic. Um, I'm completely flexible. I don't care what you eat. <laughs> I, I want everyone to eat well. I want an ideally, you know, whole food, and 80, 90% of it uh, plant-based, or at least 80% of it should be plant-based. Uh, as per the previous experts that I've had on the program, right? Mainly whole foods, get your fruit and veg in, and eat good quality meat and all that sort of stuff, fish and meat, if you're going to buy fish and meat. And to be fair, I do, right? Uh, I, I still, I eat like an adult and therefore I eat a bit of everything, so to speak. Um, if you find certain foods that bloat, um, then you're much better off cutting them out because they hinder the healing of your diastasis recti. Bloating doesn't help, right? Um, and that is kind of that as long as you're in a calorie deficit a calorific deficit you will lose weight that is that is just the way it is you don't need to drop to like extremes of 1200 calories or something like that um i see that 1200 calorie figure thrown out a lot by uh, dietitians and health acceptance um, um health at every size sorry fat acceptance campaigners there isn't a single sane person in the world that tells you to, to live on 1200 calories for an indefinite amount of time. Um, I wouldn't even go anywhere near that. If, if your standard calorie intake for your, for maintenance is around about 2000, 
then 500 uh, dropping to 1500 would have you lose a, a, a pound a week, right? And I would take it much, much lower than that. I would, you know, get get your activity levels up a little bit, improve your sleep patterns, manage your stress so that your hormone levels uh, balance out a little bit and your body isn't constantly stressed, then you can basically increase your base metabolic rate by two or 300 a day and therefore you only need to drop 200 below your current maintenance level. That's much more reasonable. So then you consume 1800 calories and if the bulk of that, if you're smart with your food, you know, if you if you pick the right foods, the whole foods, um, so your lentils, your pulses, your vegetables, your fruits, good quality meat and all that, and you look at the quantities or, or at, you look at the calorific, the, the, the density of the food. So you know that a ribeye steak or something like that is um, 100 grams of ribeye is equivalent to 300 grams of chicken or something like that with regards to calories. And that's because of the fat content. Uh, when I say chicken, I mean chicken breast in this particular case. Uh, and that matters hugely. That's a huge difference because if I have 100 grams of food of, of steak, then I can still be hungry after consuming that. If I have 300 grams of chicken, I'm full for an eternity. Um, so being smart with what you eat is significantly more important when you plan a diet than, than the actual diet is. You don't need to go vegan for a month, right? Don't buy the wicked stuff. Stick to healthy food. Stick to stuff that you cook. I, I know I keep banging on about that. But stick to stuff that you cook and then you'll be okay. Like a quick one. I wasn't going to do this, but uh, and it's not in the podcast description. So I might... No, I'm not going to add it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Uh, it's one of those, will he, won't he? Managing stress is one of the key factors of... Um, successful postpartum recovery and that includes managing your sleep and all that sort of stuff which is annoying but you know your sleep the amount of sleep you get affects your stress levels managing your stress levels are, is so important for your postpartum recovery that i might do a special episode about that in the next month or so uh, and i might find a little guest wouldn't that be nice have a little guest on that can talk to you about managing stress levels? Because I think it's important to such an extent that if you don't manage your stress well, you cannot lose weight. If your body is constantly... Because your body doesn't know why you're stressed. So if you're stressed from work or you're stressed from not sleeping because the baby's waking up regularly or, or, or whatever, the body doesn't realize that it's not a tiger chasing you. And therefore, it puts you into that fight or flight mode, which is similar to... So it, it releases a lot of the, the, the glucose stored uh, in the liver and gives you a, a burst of energy, but you're not using that energy for anything uh, even as remotely intense as running away from a tiger, right? So the body's saying fight or flight, I'm going to flight. I'm going to give you the energy, the short-term energy to go and run. And then you don't run. <laughs> so there you go. 
right? Um, so that then messes up uh, your your weight loss um, your weight loss progress. Right? I'm trying to phrase that very carefully here. Uh, and this is not just about weight loss progress, right? But it's also about, you know, gaining weight and weight gain. So a lot of the time, stress levels really impact on your weight management. Let me put it that way. And stress, we know stress messes up your health, right? We, we know that. Um, and I've done studies, uh, I've seen studies on that that I've had on the podcast before where they show you that uh, a year of not sleeping properly can biologically age you by three to five years, but it can also be um, restored, right? That's the beauty of all this stuff. All this stuff can be reversed if you just put the time and the effort in into managing this stuff. So that's what we'll do. We'll probably do something about stress management. Um, what was next? Oh, yes, yeah, a new section of the show. Like I said, in the podcast description, I haven't titled it yet, but currently it's called, uh, it's called your, label implies your Label Implies Health and Quality, but you're trying to sell me garbage. Um, <laughs> not the catchiest of all the things. I bought some bacon the other day. You know, um, I don't buy bacon an awful lot. But when I buy bacon, I buy good quality bacon. I like to buy nice bacon. So I walk into Sainsbury's. Other bacon shops are, of course, available. And I go to the bacon section. No, you know how buying bacon works, right? And I see this uh, this lovely looking bacon from uh, Finnebro's Better Naked. It's called Better Naked Unsmoked Back Bacon. I thought, no, oh, that looks a business. And it says on the made without nitrates, um, which is nice. But, you know, I've, I think that's a salty thing. Um, made without artificial additives and allergens. Well, that sounds good. No, and or made without nitrates, uh, nitrates and any other nasties. And I take the bacon and I come home, right? And I put it in my pan, and half the bacon disappears <laughs> because they still add water to it. Now, if dear people that charge me a premium for a healthier product, so-called healthier product. Don't add, don't don't add stuff you don't need to add to it, right? Don't charge me a premium for a shitty product just because you didn't add anything um, to it that other people might add. If you're still adding water to it, you're still ripping me off. So shame on you, shame on you. Fin I think it's called Finnebroke. Yeah, Finnebroke. Finnebroke artisan. There's not an artisan, you hacks. <laughs> Ah, these people, they're in Downpatrick. That's where they are. And I, I judge you. I expected better from an artisan company than to just make cheap, shitty imitation bacon and then try to sell it to me as a health product. Ah, yucky. Yucky, very disappointing. The bacon was tasty enough, to be fair. And it was nowhere near as salty as the other stuff. I just don't like people... Um, Telling me that I'm going to get something nice when they know full well that, you know, I still help end up with a, a, a less decent product. Um, so that, again, I'm just bringing that up to show you, to highlight the importance of not just, of, of, of checking the label. Because it's in the listed in the ingredients, right? It's the second ingredient in the thing. First it says bacon and then it says water. Um don't just look at the packaging, right? That's how they get you. If you just look at the packaging, you think you're eating healthy, you think you're eating a good quality product, 
and then, you know, it turns out you're not. The slogans don't mean anything. I don't know what nitrates are. I don't mind telling you, but I know that they're bad for me. <laughs> right? Because otherwise, why would they say, ooh, no nitrates, no other nasties. I like stuff with no other nasties. Right? That sounds good. But I also don't want the water added to myself, random stuff added to it. Um, so that's what I will keep an eye out on the supermarket. And every time I buy something stupid, I will tell you what I bought so you can also stay clear of it. Right? On, on the plus side, happy news, in the news this week, there was a really cool thing. Uh, on BBC, I'll link to the article. This guy in uh, surgery in Baltimore, uh, University of Maryland uh, School of Medicine, he got a genetically modified pig uh, pig heart in the world for in, in, in the first transplant, which is phenomenal. I mean, this is, I mean, th this is, this is like next level cool. Um, he was too poor a health to get a human transplant and therefore um, they genetically modified the, the, the pig used in the transplant to knock out several genes that would have led to the organ being rejected. And I mean, it, this is astonishing. This is astonishing stuff. There are currently, according to this, 100,000 people on the waiting list for a heart in um, in in the US. And, and, and this would be such a big, big thing. Um, such a big breakthrough. It is, it is phenomenal. Uh, so this is really cool. And I love this stuff. I always think, you know, the... Everybody should probably be an organ donor, but I know, you know, the demand is so high, you'll naturally never catch up. So, so, so this is, this is phenomenal, phenomenal progress. Uh, so this is really cool. That is, so I'll link to that so you can read it and feel a bit better about the world. Right? Wouldn't that be something? Would, isn't it nice that I can end on a slightly happy note rather than all my sad in the news this week? Oh, the world is going to shit again. <laughs> Right, we're going to try to keep it a bit lighter this year. Um, hopefully we'll also try to keep it a bit more organized. Um, and therefore, you know, a bit more structured. A bit more on the ball. We have a nice setup. We have better sound quality. Peter at healthypostnatalbody.com so I can have more emails and questions. We'll do another big uh, Q&A at the end of this month. So definitely get them in. Um, Peter at healthypostnatalbody.com you know the way the website is. You know you can always get in touch with me if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that. Here's a new bit of music. A nice short podcast episode for you. And, you know, you take care of yourself. Bye now. Take a chance and wait Stay light as a feather A feather Shake away the weight Cut what makes you tether Trust when you fall in every risk you take Knowing redemption's always on its way Let all the courage in you start to wake Unafraid, unafraid Unafraid, unafraid Unafraid, I'm unafraid Every second I'm raising up high. Yeah. Hey
Count the mistakes, look for better measures, measures. Keep hoping you gaze, hold truth as a treasure, treasure. Trust when you fall in every risk you take, knowing redemption's always on its way. Let all the courage in you start to wake, unafraid. 